hurting everything. That's, uh, <laughs> and I, somebody, please stop. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe if we could, we could, if we could afford a jazzy intro, if we could afford to buy some original I songs, I will, I will learn how then to we'd be the able sax. to. Over, over, over me, over me, impromptu scatting a saxophone. Impromptu, not, don't ever. I do a, I do a, I do a better trumpet. Oh, and guys, this is hard fried history. Stop! I I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm on the. You can play play the saxophone, man. Sounds like I should encourage you in this new pursuit. You should never keep and keep scatting. No, you this should play sex. This is the worst. Okay. All right, guys. All right. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to Heartfried <laughs> History. How's it going? <laughs> I'm your host, Joshua Stokes, and I'm with your other host. Henry Price. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. Uh, and today, Henry was doing awful scatting because the historical figure we're looking at today is who, Henry? Charlie Parker. Okay. Charlie Bird Parker. Charlie Bird Parker. Um, That's right. Uh, one of the best uh, saxophonists. Maybe some people call him the 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 the, the, the best saxophonist of all time. Yeah. Um, a contemporary of uh, John Coltrane. Well, a little before John Coltrane. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the one of the the avant-garde people of uh of uh it's what it's called it's called boogie. What is that shit? Bebop. Called? Bebop. Bebop. Yeah. bebop. It's bebop. One of the founders of bebop. The founders of bebop. I know Charlie Parker just because like. I watched the Ken Burns documentary, and uh, they loved him. <laughs> like he was the guy. You know what I mean? I, I should have. I've never seen Ken Burns jazz, but I feel like it's I should have really now. I bet. Yeah, all all this stuff is real good. It's really good. Bebop is like uh, it, it was like it's like a you know how like uh, let me try to see, let me try to get the hip hop analogy. You're not gonna get this, but somebody who's watching this will okay. get this. Um, it is bebop is like uh, like the rap that like uh, most deaf does, and like and like uh, and like the roots do. It's very popular, but like not as popular as like the Puff Daddy. It's like once once yeah. jazz like had swing, and it was like yo swing is our thing. Yeah, you know I mean? like swing, everybody loves yeah. swing. Yeah. So many World War Two guys died after do swing and then you get killed in france that's right that's how that's how world war that's II how the world worked then and then bebop was the shit that came after that which is just like more it's more it's not a, it's, it's less it's less structured it's more yeah. experimental it's kind of all over the place and like they describe we'll, we'll get into it later about how like people initially did not like bebop they're like what the hell is this I need a reframe, god damn it. I don't know what you're doing. Like just playing all it, over the place, but it's cuz they didn't understand. If you if you hate jazz, you're probably thinking of bebop. That's <laughs> like, yeah, oh. that's yes, exactly. You're like what the hell's cuz swing is all right. Swing you're like, "Oh my god, I can I I get this." Swing is like pop. Yeah. Bebop is like is like that shit you hear in the dorm when it's you're trying to buy shit. weed. Yeah, you know what I mean, like you're if, like, you, oh, if you're buying, if you're buying good weed, he's listening to bebop, right? No, uh, no, if you're buying good weed, he's listening to uh to like uh to like what now? What I think? Uh, Duke Deuce. You know what I mean? I don't know who that Deuce? is. Deuce? No, that's just a rapper now. Okay, like, this is just a rapper from Memphis. He has a crunk eight dead. You ever heard that song? No. The Twister Fangus. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Twisted mm, fingers, yeah. I've, I've heard Usher, ushers, yeah. I don't know. Okay, all right, let's move on. <laughs> let's Charlie get it. Parker. Charlie Parker. <laughs> so he born August 29th of 1920 in Kansas City, 
Kansas, the Kansas side. You don't if you don't know anything about Kansas City, it's like smack dab on the border between Missouri and Kansas, and so part of it is in you know it's in two states. Eventually, his family moved to the Missouri side of Kansas City, and his parents they they divorced when in like 1932 when he's like 12 years old. They're kind of like on and off his entire early childhood. And in September, also, go ahead. Also, like Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri uh, won the Super Bowl this year. As a 49ers fan, I'm pretty upset about that. But this is like the years in the 20s when Kansas City, Missouri was like actually a thing like people like it was yeah. this, if you ever hear about like Kansas City Missouri like kind of this heyday I think I think more they're talking about this time this is kind of when the factories were there this is kind of like a great jazz scene yeah and and right before the depression I guess in the 20s when Par- when Parker was growing up like yeah right before he aged nine it must have been doing all right economically and then boom great depression but this they still had like a great jazz scene in the, in the 1930s for sure because that's just the jazz era yeah so he gets in there September third. Like this is when uh he f- starts playing instruments around September of 1933. He enrolled in the Lincoln High School, which is the only high school open to black people in Kansas City, Missouri at that time, and it was known for its music program. And Charlie, he kind of gets an idea of what he wants to do real quick. Like his mom, she's working nights, and so while mom's at work. Charlie, he would go out to all the jazz clubs on 12th Street and, like, practice and play with other musicians in the alleyway and, like, learn tricks from them and go into jam sessions and everything. But he would stay out so late that he couldn't wake up in time for school. And so he was, like, notoriously truant. He would just miss, like, weeks at a time. But he was kind of like, fuck this shit. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do school anyway. Like, I know what I want to do, and that's play play instruments, man. Play with the bands. you know, my, I think I have to mention this. My girlfriend from Kansas City, Missouri. I went to the University of Missouri um, because they gave me a scholarship. Um, it's called the Diversity Award. Diversity Award. Um, okay. There's like right a, on. one scholar, I got, I got, I got, I got a thing called the Diversity Award, which I soon realized was just like, hey, you're black. <laughs> <laughs> um, we need more of you here. Yeah, my girlfriend from Kansas City, Missouri, uh, and then also I, I dated a slew of women from Kansas City uh, while I was in college. Very cool girls. Um, always, always with the weed. They always, always, they always with them control. with them reefers, man. Yeah, and I know a lot of girls from this area of Kansas City, uh, the Lincoln High School area. Uh, I dated a girl from like south of there, like she was the Lincoln High School, like in the twenties. Okay, uh, the, cool. The the third she did uh, put the area. I don't know what the area is like, but uh, the girl I dated was from like the thirty third street, thirty something thirty street, and she, she referred to it as the trays or something like that. So you can kind of tell the area. The tray, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, about the nickname. <laughs> so winter of nineteen thirty four, Parker starts to play with his first band called the the Hot and Tots. And it was also said about Charlie Parker at this time that he was more enthusiastic than he was talented. Like, he just wanted to to learn, but he wasn't necessarily good. And to give you an idea, they play a gig, and Charlie Parker, he's so bad that the club owner, oh, the club owner orders the band leader fire Charlie from the band, and he does. And around this same time is when he also, he, start, he starts smoking them doobies, man. Look, man, I've been fired. You gotta get high. You gotta get it. You, there's you only one way you can do it. Like I don't. <laughs> have, there's no drug test for me to pass anymore. Fuck it. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna smoke some of them doobies, man. You just smoke them doobs. Live S- your life, dog. Maybe sell some doobs. You, Scooby you <laughs> dooby doo. You know. Okay. <laughs> so th- 
He's kind of grinding it out from October of 1935 to June of 1936. He's like going to jam sessions and he's like learning from the pros in the alleyways more and like playing with house bands and stuff, popping around, smoking them doobies. And then in July of 1936, he marries his first wife, who is Rebecca Ruffin, a neighbor at age 15. Yeah, that's um, see, but like this is like the 30s. So like 15 in the 30s is not that crazy. Yeah, 38 years old. It's, you lived through the depression. <laughs> hey, man, you got married too late, if anything, if you weren't getting married at 15. If you see bread, like, you lived through bread lines, you've been smoking reefer and alleys, yep, yep. you're fucking, you know what I mean? <laughs> people are just riding trains. That's just, like, a thing people do after That's a profession. Like, that is a bona fide profession. That is a, that is a route you can take out of high school, or even just, while in high school. You'd be like, just, fuck it. Just getting a stick in a bag yep. and throwing it over your shoulder and fucking just leaving town on a train headed, I don't know where. No paperwork, no cell None. phone, nobody can find you. It was a much more freer None. time, or at least it exactly. seems like one. So you can just go, yeah. and you can do anything, you know? You're confusing free with poor, and a lot of That's, people do that. Amen. <laughs> like, like, Freedom's like, just like, another word for nothing left to lose, right? A lot of people are huh? like, yo, I want to be free, I don't want a job, I want to kind of just, you know, be able to do my own stuff and not be anywhere in the... Oh, you're talking about being broke. You're talking bro. about poverty, man. You're you're just about wanna, poverty. You just want to be poor. That's that exactly. doesn't sound... <laughs> uh, Charlie was also poor. He, uh, he realized that he forgot to buy a ring for the occasion, which I don't know why you would propose if you didn't already have a ring, but that's kind of like a modern expectation, I guess. So he had to use his mother's ring at the, at the wedding. His mom, he was kind of a mama's boy. Like she was, she took care of him really well. And all of a sudden he's got this wife and now he realizes that he needs to support her. And so he starts playing gigs at resorts along the Ozarks, which the Ozark mountains is like Southern Missouri and Northwest Arkansas and Eastern Oklahoma. It was a boom town at this time. Not, not anymore though. So much. The Oz- I used to have to drive through the Ozarks to get to college from Texas to Missouri. And let me tell you something about the Ozarks. One of the most gorgeous places, like it's insanely gorgeous, like that whole area, Arkansas, like that our part, eastern Oklahoma, like as far as eastern parts of eastern Oklahoma and like Missouri. But it, you can just, you can just, yeah, you can just, you can just feel, it feels like they're like, they're like, they're racism. It's just like so nobody comes here. Oh, okay. They're just they're just trying to hog the Ozarks to themselves. It's like gorgeous. let's keep everybody else out. It's gorgeous, but we will play these banjos and Burn we will yep. and we, yep. we will. I just see like a like a man in overalls with a straw hat chewing on a piece of hay type porch environment when I think of the Ozarks and Turns out that that man loves jazz music. He loves right? jazz music, and I and look, look. If you're thinking what what type of area is this, uh, I've been arrested in this area, and I am a black dude with freckles. In the so, Ozarks? Yeah, not well. It's uh, Eastern Oklahoma, almost Ozarks, like almost Fayetteville. Oh, area. okay, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No fun. <laughs> not a <laughs> no great, fun. not a great place to be. <laughs> not a great time. Not a great time. Just you know, I got told when I got arrested. What? Hey, man. Lucky, uh, lucky you weren't in Indian country. <laughs> they take it a lot more seriously. There's, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Indian. Engine country. Engine country. Engine, engine country. And, in November of 1936, Charlie, he's on his way to play a gig at Musser's Ozark Tavern, and he gets into a car accident on the way there. He gets injured. He, like, fractures, I think, his spine and breaks a few ribs. And then he's prescribed heroin to help relieve the pain. And this is his introduction to the addiction that would haunt him for the rest of his life. Like, 
the rest of his life, he's just on and off the needle and constantly battling with this. And all because a doctor told him that he should get on this shit. I understand why my grandma does not show us doctors because they used to just prescribe heroin. Yeah. They prescribe heroin and cigarettes. Yeah, do some heroin for the pain. And cocaine. Cigarettes. (laughs) Yeah, like they just. No, you're crazy, dude. You. I self-medicate all the... I could be a doctor in the 1930s, for that matter. You just gotta go through school. You just gotta pretend to care. You know what I mean? That's right. You know what I mean? Just do it. Just do it. Then in June through September of 1937, he's playing with the house band at Musser's Ozark Tavern, and he comes back, and he's a hell of a lot better. Like, he gets he gets that road work, man. And he yeah. impresses the local scene. He comes back to 12th Street, and he's now in demand, and he's so he's playing with all these other house bands and everything. But he also That's encounters a, a little bit of domestic trouble. As a comic, I know it is. You gotta go on the road. You gotta you get gotta, out of town yeah. to impress people back where you live at. Because That's right. People don't respect you until As, you leave. Until you leave, and then they're <laughs> like, "Oh my god, he's way better than the losers who came in to take his place." Holy shit! Listen to your mom will never respect you until you leave. Until the house. you leave, and then they'll yeah. realize, "Oh my god, I real. need him around." You got to get that road work, man. That's how you. Exactly. That's how you get better. You gotta get better by getting the getting the fuck out. Maybe I'm just saying this to myself. Maybe I don't know. (laughs) No, I I I say the same thing to myself all the time. I'm like, let me just let me just go somewhere else to get validation. Let me go. Let me go out of my hometown. You will never find validation in your hometown. Nope. (laughs) They will never love you until you leave and they leave somewhere. Like, man, whatever happened to that guy? I miss that guy. guy. Oh, why didn't you tell me? Maybe I would have stayed. You piece of shit. I wouldn't (laughs) have left if you just would have told me. You stupid sons of bitches. Anyway, (laughs) I'm I'm going through a lot right now. Late 1937, he goes through a little bit of domestic turmoil and rebecca catches him cheating like one day she's coming home from work early and sees him like kissing a white girl and then he also he stashed his love letters from and other wait, women kissing a white girl in, in yeah missouri. <laughs> okay, in, in missouri my man's risking it all <laughs> oh man he's he was wild all right he was he was doing he was living his own life you know nobody could nobody life. nobody could cage this bird right yeah Another way she found out is he started like stashing love letters from all these women underneath his pillow and they shared a bed and she just came across them one day, which I don't understand. Like if you're sharing a bed, that's not, that's not exactly a, not showing a lot of forethought on that one, I guess. You're supposed to have like a little, little chest that you keep away in the, in the closet somewhere, right? Not underneath no. the pillow. Here's the thing, you like you're, stash, you're stashing your cheating material. Don't stash it in a chest. Yeah. People, why is there a chest here? Like under the bed, it's also stupid. You know where you stash it? You stash, you know, you stash your cheating letters. Where? I don't know because I'm a faithful man, and That's black men point. don't cheat. And don't go, try man. to get me caught up in no bullshit, Henry. I wasn't. I see, <laughs> you dangled the bait, man. I got yeah, to. I, I also me. don't know. No, but seriously, you... you put it in like a PO box somewhere. I mean, you gotta get P.O. boxes. That's open why a, I have several P.O. P.O. boxes. Box. That's why. That's the only reason <laughs> P.O. boxes exist for shit that is too sensitive to come in the regular mail. Shit, you're you don't want people coming up. Shit. You're doing fucked that, up shit. Yeah, that's how you just you gotta have a P.O. box. You gotta get that P.O. box, man. You have a P.O. box. You're not living life correctly. That's right, man. Around the same time, he's also his mom is nagging him about like his increasing use of heroin, and Rebecca's nagging about him about cheating, and he's just like fuck this, I'm out of here, and he goes on tour for a little bit. He's he's not on the road very long. And January 10th of 1938, his first son is born, and he comes home to name him, and then he finds work in Kansas City under the tutelage of Buster Smith, 
who was mm-hmm. like another prominent jazz musician at the time, like kind of kind of a senior to Charlie. Is Charlie like idolized Buster Smith, and he was the only guy who could keep Charlie clean for a time. Thirties, the only time you can name your kid Buster. Buster, that's right. <laughs> don't ever don't name your kid Buster. <laughs> Not now. don't do it now, Buster. I I will fuck your kid up. Buster. If I see a kid named Buster, I'm gonna punch him in the face because that's what everybody. Buster's doing like to a him. rural nickname, is it not? Like, hey, like yeah. buddy or pal buddy. or Buster. I don't know, man. Like, I what just, you I doing, just, Buster? I hear it and it affiliates it, it me. Yeah. I don't know why. Buster. Buster Smith. Buster. Is Buster bu- Smith? Is Busta anybody? You think? You think? Okay, I don't you, don't add A's to anything. You're an ER person. <laughs> you, know? you think? You think? <laughs> You think you think Busta Rhymes is actually Buster Rhymes, and it just no. it just got right. what have I done? <laughs> it just it just got cut down. I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> From uh, March to August of 1938, he's playing with bands, playing gigs around town with Buster Smith's band. Uh, at one point, he's broadcast on the radio, so he gets he gets a little bit more acclaim from that. And then he's just learning everything that he can from Smith. Until Smith leaves Kansas City for New York City to form like a full piece orchestra. And then Charlie Smith's no longer around. And so he gets back on the needle and starts like slipping again. And it's not it's not good. From October to December of 1938, he's playing with two different bands, one of which was uh, Jay McShann's band. And this is Jay McShann is, is a recurring figure. He like ends up recording with him later. But his stay with this band is pretty brief. And then he's, he's going through more domestic uh, having more problems with his wife and everything. And so he's ordered to leave by Rebecca around this time. And he heads to New York City to find Buster Smith. Whatever your girl tells you to leave, you got to go to New York you, City. It's you got to go to New York. Fuck this. I'm going to go make it in the big time. You're going to yeah. see me on TV one day. Like, yeah, you gotta, yeah. like all right, sure, whatever, man. But you, they might have left, you know, he left Kansas City with that heroin addiction. You, went right, with him. <laughs> right where all the heroin is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> From January to February of 1939, he's playing gigs in Chicago, and he's like, get, you know, he goes to basically a jam session. He uses a saxophone. He, everybody's blown away by his performance. They're like, holy shit, who is this guy? And then some local guy kind of takes him in, gives him a place to stay and like a new horn. But Charlie, he's got to get to New York City, and so he pawns the horn in order to make money to get to New York City. Shows up on Buster Smith's doorstep, and he's like, hey, can I, can I crash with you guys for a little bit? And he does. And he stays clean for a little bit. He's like working as a busboy and playing gigs. But then eventually he gets in a quarrel with Buster Smith's wife. And he's asked to leave by, by Buster because he, he kept sleeping in their bed with like his clothes and his shoes on. And this pissed off the wife. And he was like, yo, you got you to gotta go. There's, 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 nothing, there's nothing that, a, that, that a, per, a, a homeowner can't stand is getting in shoes Get, getting in bed with shoes on. Like, if I own a home, mm, yeah, or rent a home, I don't care. It's my house, and you put your shoes anywhere on my on my on my couch or my on my in anywhere. Matter of fact, don't even bring your shoes into my don't, put take them, them in the off. door. Yeah, why, put them yes, in the door. Yes, this is the most disrespectful thing, and I will ask you to leave if not kill you. Like, I just want to state f- that. I mean, just the audacity of sleeping in their bed, like sleeping on a couch, like. Was he thinking like, oh, I got home late. Let me just sleep there because, you know, they're not sleeping here now. Like, I sleep during the day. They sleep during the night. No big deal. Like, we're on a a bed sharing schedule. I don't know. Here's the thing. Heroin. 
Uh, yeah, things, but he was clean. <laughs> but he was trying to stay clean because he's with Buster Smith. And oh, this is just like this is like leftover heroin issues. Yeah, this is you know a little bit of them withdrawal symptoms. Like or I just, cannot sleep on the ground. I need a real or, bed to sleep on. Or you're just a disrespectful son of a bitch. Yeah. Or they have the only good bed. Either way, fuck it. Who knows? Like you're man. on the street. Yep. <laughs> like, he's got to head back to Kansas City in fall of 1939 because his father is murdered by one of his girlfriends in Memphis, and so he returns home to be with his mother and his freelancing gigs. And then in March of 1940, he rejoins the Jay McShann band for a little bit, and they do pretty well together. In June of the, of 1940. They play a summer session at, like, Fairyland Park, Missouri. And this is where he first meets Dizzy Giepsy. Or is it... How would Dizzy, you pronounce Dizzy, it? Dizzy... Giepsy? Dizzy Gillespie. Gillespie. Okay. Dizzy Gillespie. Gillespie. Yeah, Dizzy Gillespie. Dizzy Gillespie. Don't, we, <laughs> I was... I was I, I'm thinking, like, double L. Like, that's a Y. No, no, no. Don't you try to pronounce this like this is, like, this is Italian. Right. This is I'm a just, I'm just, super you know, black-ass okay. name. Right. <laughs> Dizzy Gillespie. Gillespie? Gillespie, yes, you're right. Why Gillespie. do you pronounce okay. it like you know? Right. Like, right. <laughs> they, this is like his contemporary at the time, and they they form like a you know they're they're contemporaries and equals, and they both push each other, and they're like both two of the co-founders of Bebop, and this is where they yeah. first meet is uh, jamming together at after hour sessions in at a Kentucky barbecue restaurant, and they kind of like further Dizzy, each other. Dizzy Gillespie, Dizzy Gillespie. Now you got me saying it wrong. Gillespie, Gillespie. No, uh, no I'm this, not because this is gonna be his boy. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is his boy forever. You know what yep. I mean? And then they're playing gigs through the summer at Fairyland Park until August of 1940, where like a local union run by white people, it was Local 37. They pushed the owner of Fairyland to hire the Red Blackburn Band, which is a white band. And so McShan, he doesn't really want to argue about this. He's like, all right, whatever, that's fine. I got other gigs anyway. And he starts to tour the Midwest with Charlie Parker as well. This is where he gets his nickname. Charlie, you know, Charlie Bird Parker is he's, he's touring through Nebraska. He earns his nickname of Yard Bird. And the story is that the bus, it hits a chicken. And Charlie's like, yo, slow down, man. You just, you just hit a Yard Bird. And he goes out there. He has a bus driver stop, goes out there, picks up the chicken, carries it with him to Lincoln, Nebraska, and then has a lady cook it for him and the gang. And from there, they, they start calling him Yard Bird, which is eventually shortened to Bird. He's, uh, that's, I don't think I've ever loved chicken that much. No, that's pretty crazy, man. Road chicken? Like, I'm not. Road chicken. That actually sounds like a great name for a restaurant, Road Chicken. Road, road Chicken. But at the same time, like, I'm not from the 30s. Yeah. And <laughs> like, just like, if you got food, you eat it. How is this, <laughs> how is this chicken intact? Yeah, like, like it must have just gotten tapped, but it's still dead. But oh no, cars in that era were pieces of shit. I can <laughs> like so did did they get like a shovel and just put the rest of the flat? Was it flattened? Like I'm just concerned about the the physics of this. Really? No, I mean it probably you know what I'm saying like anything that's been ran over in the road, it was probably peeled to the gravel, but there was still but they a still good ate amount it. of breast meat intact. And breast meat and like a, a thigh and like a leg, like in a, a, a they was it was like yeah we can make this work we can you make know what I mean? we can make this work. And you tell me you've never did, seen a dog on the side of the road and been like yo is there still some meat in there? You've never done that. I mean it's not you've quite it's not meat. quite the apocalypse yet, but you know you've never had dog meat. You're gonna say tell me you've never had dog meat. I don't think I have. You've never you've never had you've never fried up some tasty dog. 
How would I, what what kind of sauce you use with dog? What works uh, best? Aju. What? Aju. <laughs> <laughs> a little Worcestershire. I take a little Worcestershire. I'll take a little, a little take a little spicy mustard with my a dog. Spicy mustard. Don't but don't add or don't order Dijon because that's not American. Mm-hmm. Nope. Not you, at you all. get your not regular mustard. You, you, your regular yeah, yellow that's mustard. Right. You eat dog like an American. Like a fucking like. Like a fucking American. <laughs> From November 1940 to April 1941, this is, you know, he's still touring the Midwest, and he records a couple times with Jay McShann, I believe through Savoy label, and they're illegally recorded in Dallas by this white guy. So Jack Kappa, he's the owner of Savoy label, or the Savoy label, and David Kappa is his brother, and he's supervising the session, and he, like, tells them to play a few more songs that they weren't initially supposed to play, and they do. And he records them, and he's like, oh, this is hot shit. And he rushes them into production and puts them on the radio. And then McShann and the crew, they listen to this on the radio. They're like, holy shit, who who said he could do that? Like, what the fuck? Eventually, in 1941, uh, late 1941, February 1942, the band, they relocate to New York City. Charlie gets divorced from Rebecca, and around this time... Divorces take a long time. Never forget that. Yeah. Never forget that. Maybe not in the 40s. Who knows, man? We might have added more layers to this as as the years went on. I don't know. Oh, and also about that Jay Machan illegal recording. I don't feel like I even have to say this, but just know, you know, you never can trust the white devil. That's right. And that's that's just, that's from me to your ears, listeners. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> we do well in a, real, a lot of really white countries, and I don't mean that Iceland, where we have two percent of our viewers from. That's right. Our Amen. listeners from. I don't understand it, but please keep listening. I'm sorry. That's right, man. How's it going? <laughs> our our European brethren. I don't know. Um, it sounds brethren. weird when you say that. Yeah. <laughs> Salutations. Um. Then from late fe- so around that same time that we just mentioned, late February 1941 to Feb 1942. The gigs are drying up due to Pearl Harbor. Like the war, wars just set on. Men are being deployed, and mm-hmm. you know, going out and having a good time—that's a luxury good. But the McShann band survives because they got good agency representation. And then, you know, Charlie oh, you gotta and have Dizzy, a good agent, dog. always got to have a good. They'll you get you through anything, man. They'll get you through whatever you need. You know, hey, you need. You, they'll you know score. They'll score you heroin if you need some. Be like, hey, you know, you need I do some this podcast because I don't have good representation. That's right, man. <laughs> Hey man, I I do have good representation, and I still do this podcast, man. So maybe I don't have good representation. <laughs> I don't know. Charlie and Dizzy are getting closer, playing gigs together until March of 1942. Charlie he has a falling out with the McShann band. He's like showing up late to rehearsals, and when he does show up, he's like strung out. And to pay for his drugs, he was like borrowing money from the other band members and never paying it back, and pawning his saxophone frequently so he could go buy heroin. And he's fired. But he's, like, so good that people complain to McShan. They're like, hey, man, where's Charlie at? Where's Parker at? Like, we want to see more of him. And McShan is, like, forced to hire him back. Because if you're good, you get to call your own shots, man. Here's the thing. You just, if you do anything in life, this is what I tell my kids. You do anything in life, you got to be good enough to do heroin and and still have people want you, and still be that's the level. Have people overlook that? Be like, yeah, he's got a he's got a little bit of a heroin problem. It doesn't look, matter though. That's his look, business. If LeBron James did heroin, I would respect him more. If you're still LeBron with heroin, that's right. Like man. He's falling asleep on the court, standing up, 
but still, still dropping 50. Still sinking him, yep. Still sinking him? Yeah, I would respect him more. You know what I mean? You can't fire do, that guy. Here's the thing. That's, do yeah. heroin. You, look, sometimes people are so good, they're just like, I gotta step this up a level. What can I, what, this, what impediments <laughs> can I put in front of myself? Oh, this, I get addicted to heroin. This isn't difficult anymore. That's right. I need, a, I need to put an obstacle in my own way or else I'm gonna get bored. That's what I'm saying, Doug. Some of y'all, look, look, LeBron, you want to earn my respect? Do heroin. That's, That's right. I'm saying. You think you're good at something? Try doing it on heroin. Try doing it on heroin because it's difficult. It's, it's going to be hard, live. man. It's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, you know, it's but you'll pull hard. you'll pull through it. You you can figure it out. You're smart. You're intelligent. You got your whole, you got your whole, whole three years ahead of you if you it's get on heroin, you know? To do, it's very hard. Also, heroin, heroin addicts, um, I don't know how I'm going with this. <laughs> Stay strong. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe try something other than heroin. Maybe try Ohio, Indiana. Y'all stay strong out That's there, right. baby. Y'all going through it. Yep, Michigan, weird. you too. <laughs> Pens- Pennsylvania, a little bit. Wisconsin. Just Minnesota. all the all the areas where there ain't shit to do for yeah, the most you guys, part. Like, you guys, you guys stay strong. You need some extracurriculars. Stay strong, baby. That's right. Summer of 1942, the McShann Band, they're torn through the South and the Midwest and encountering a lot of discrimination in the South. Like, I, Charlie's jailed at several points. One time he's, like, beaten in jail, I think, in Natchez, Mississippi. And they arrested him for some stupid bullshit. Like, he was smoking a cigarette on a screen patio and he wasn't supposed to sm- smoke there and they arrested him. And then oftentimes, like, a booker, the dude who, who arranged the whole thing, while they were on stage... He would just leave with the money that he was supposed to pay them. And then the cops would come and they'd be like, hey, you have to pay the staff of this venue and rent for the night or you guys are going to jail. And they're like, well, we don't have it. The dude who called you left with it. What the fuck do you want? And they're like, we're taking you to jail. And it's like, well, look, okay. as, as somebody as we both do comedy, we both do stand up. We know a thing or two about Jackie promoters. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah! My man has Red Henry has some emotions that he would like to display. Can't display in a public attitude. My f- Sometimes you just show up. There's nobody there. I look. I've done. I I ran shows. And there's nobody yep. there. My, I, my, right, I mean, my favorite is whenever. I think my Sunday show this week didn't have. Oh <laughs> man! People there. Like, I don't know. About that. <laughs> don't be telling people that, man. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good show. It's a good show. It's a good show. My favorite <laughs> is is when like a fucking. Uh, when a, when a when a booker will will like quote unquote uh, remember that they didn't pay you or like they'll approach you like like ten days after the event and be like oh man I forgot I forgot to pay and they'll give you like like four dollars <laughs> just hot four dollars ten days later you're like no Grady, don't Grady give has, me this shit Grady Pruitt a very funny Houston comic has that uh <laughs> that, that he has like a like a post on Facebook which is like. Oh, I, oh, yeah, oh, I forgot to pay it. you. It's yeah. just like $2. Two bu- yep, $2, $2 like, on Venmo. Right. Like, yeah, thank just... you, Doug. I'm going to go to Taco Bell and ball the fuck out. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, no, somebody owes me $50 right now. Not going to say who. Every time I say you, you keep bringing it up to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay, all right, all right, let's move he's on. Got a, he's got it. a complete falling out with the McShann Band in fall of 1942. He faints on stage while in Detroit. And then after this, he's kind of on and off with the band at various gigs until December of that year. He's permanently asked to leave the J. McShann Band 
or he no, he's not asked to leave. He's actually recruited by another band, the Earl Hines Band. There's this guy Billy Eckstein who plays with the Earl Hines Band, and he's kind of like a talent scout, and he contracts Parker and Dizzy Gillespie as well. Gillespie. 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 We went over this six times. Gil. Gillespie. Gil. 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 Epsi. Gillespie. Gillespie. Okay. Gillespie. I'm not pronouncing it right. Dizzy Gillespie. Dizzy Gillespie. Jesus. And they start doing okay. Like January through August of 1943. So most of most of 1943, they they open at the Apollo. I think earlier that year, and they're touring the Midwest and South again, still encountering racial discrimination in the South. And then in March, after a gig, it was kind of a cool note. He he does a gig in Princeton, and Parker meets Albert Einstein. And it said Which, in the, it said in the book that they discussed relativity over over tea and and crumpets and. That's awesome, man. I, I wish I was in, like a fly on the wall when they were fucking talking. You know, that would have been cool. That's yeah. That's that's a that's a that conversation would have just been insane. You know what I mean, <laughs> yeah. like just like yeah. Who is you know, Parker I'm, is just the guy. He's like he's a genius at music. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just but then he's talking to this guy who just he's, he's not probably. What, didn't didn't I start like play piano and shit? I. Th- I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised. Sure. I I know, but like he's just kind of like, and he's if it's some, he's probably sitting there like part of the time, like yo, who the fuck? What is this guy talking about? Like yeah. Parker to Einstein, just like man, this dude is going off on some shit. I like I don't I don't know when Einstein came up with the theory of relative. Oh, here we go. We'll go some we'll go some uh, counterfactual history. Yeah. What what if Parker gave Einstein? the theory of relativity huh i'm pretty what sure if he they came were up with talking. it before but no not I just not in my world I, not in my not world <laughs> nope that's not that's not how it went down according to me you know parker probably like met some, said some shit said some See, strung I, out shit coming out of a heroin nap and he's like he said like man what if what if what if your experience is different than my experience like what if the, what if the room is moving around us and we're not moving around the room and einstein was like holy shit and then he gets Look, out his man. pen and his paper, and he gets it out, and then he comes up with this brilliant theory. Yet another thing stolen from black people. That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> Einstein, you you a hack. You know what you did, Einstein? I actually just like the idea of like this, uh, of of Parker sitting there and just being like, "I wish I could understand through this German accent." Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, thank you for the tea. I don't know if he was much of a tea guy. I don't know. I don't think so. And I've never people from Kansas City don't seem like tea people. Yeah, we're not like, Americans aren't really tea tea people. Food. Yeah, give me, give me some of the, give me some of that coffee, man. That's what I yeah. that's what I need. I want my breath to smell for three hours. I'm not talking to people. Anyway. Your breath smells for three hours for different reasons. Yeah. Ooh, Zinger Ooh, got hey. him again. Can you, <laughs> can you can you smell it through this line? Is that nope. is that it? Okay. Is that all right, all right. All right. Anyway. <laughs> They have to they have to flee the stage at Americus, Georgia. The crowd is like throwing cherry bombs at them while they're on stage. And then they get back to New York City in like Wait. late nineteen forty three. Throwing cherry bombs is is <laughs> Yo, racism used to be so much more creative. I don't know what cherry bombs even are. I like, think cherry bombs are like the little small fire like little fire like almost like M M eighties. Oh, okay. That's what I think a cherry bomb is. I can let's look, I'm gonna look it up right now to see where it is. But like, um, cherry bombs, not the band, 
Not the band. It's a firework. Yeah, it's like a little small little firework. Huh. Yeah. Okay. As you just throw at people. Yeah, when you when you are racist. I yep. Guess. Well, I guess so. In this case, yeah. And then he uh, he I think when he gets they get back in like August of 1943, and Hines is like, "Well, that was fun. Time to go on tour again." And Gillespie and Parker are like, "Fuck that. We're not going yeah. back on tour through the South again. We're gonna do our own shit." And then in late 1943. Clubs are closing down due to this wartime cabaret tax meant to cut down on prostitution. And so it used Which to is, be you had like a dancer or, you know, like burlesque shows and stuff like that. And then they put this tax on shows like that. And so now clubs are preferring to hire instrumental groups as opposed to like full ensembles. And so this is when you see the emergence of Swing Street, which is 52nd Street in New York between like 5th and 6th Avenue. And there's like all these different jazz clubs popping up. And Charlie joins the new... Eckstein band at the Onyx Club on Swing Street. Swing this Street. is uh, which is why would you try to cut down prostitution right in during the war? Like that's when you need the prostitution because you look, you're eighteen, you're not gonna you look you you're not a good looking dude, but you signed up for the army. That's you right. might die. Don't I need to that circulate the money through the economy. You gotta you, you, circulate the money through the economy, and that, you, if you're not doing that, what are you doing? You're putting a a what like a customs dude? Not a customs dude, because not going. You're you're taxing prostitution. You're making it impossible to buy prostitutes. What you should be doing is making it easier to buy prostitutes and taxing the revenue generated from that. There right? We go. The, the if taxes. we legalize prostitution, you get that tax money, right? You get That's that kickback. That's what kick Bernie's back. talking about. If Whatever's under that. the table, the gov- the IRS is not going to touch. You got to let's legalize it all and let's tax it. And let's see what happens, man. And so I don't have to pay my student loans. That's Come right, on, man. Doug. Come on. Come on. Make it happen. <laughs> Something we can all get behind. We can all get behind that. So he's playing gigs around New York City, and then from June 1944 to December of that year, he's touring through the South and Midwest of the Eckstein Band again. He meets Miles Davis while on the road. They start playing mm-hmm. together. He joins the Eckstein Band as well, and he's playing gigs at Onyx Club. And then January 4th of 1945, Gillespie, Parker, Clyde Hart. This is just one of those wild entertainment stories that I like. Clyde yeah. Hart, who's like a blues pianist, and this guy, Rubber Legs Williams, who is a blues shouter. They record a few tracks, and... Parker, he's trying to get his fix. He's got this coffee that he's taken all these Benzedrine tablets and put inside of his coffee, like like six of them or something. And then Rubber Legs Williams confuses that for his coffee, and Charlie just gets regular coffee. And Parker's over here just like, man, my tolerance is something fierce. Like, I don't feel shit right now. And then they get inside of the re- recording studio, and Rubber Legs William, he's like freaking out. He's like sweating and taking off his clothes. Like it's too hot in here. Here's the thing, Doug. If, if you gotta, that's what you when you're in the record studio. That happens to me and Henry all the time. <laughs> he refuses my coffee with his coffee. I drink his coffee. I get a boner for some reason because I think he has Viagra in me. Yeah, man. When Henry drinks my coffee, he just he just you know has a good day because my coffee is regular. And I'm not on drugs. I you need never, to say that you, you're saying, I'm trying to get a saying, job right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, got to got to clarify. I got to do a lot of clarification. Clean up the old record here. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if coffee. I don't know if Viagra would dissolve in coffee, or I don't know if I'd want to like shit with a boner. I don't know. That was. I don't want. <laughs> shit with a boner. You never shat with the boner before. 
I don't know if that's a thing you can do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know if I don't know if the human if the male physiology is is wired for that. I don't know. In January of 1945, <laughs> I'm just gonna. You drop. told me you never been <laughs> smashing that strange, and then had to take a dump right after, dog. I mean, and by smashing that strange, I mean at home masturbating and crying, and then had to take a dump right after, dog. But you couldn't wait to ejaculate, so you just took a shit. This is not what this podcast is like. <laughs> I like the state. I don't want. I don't want. We took a crazy detour. Right rep- representative <laughs> of what we usually do. Okay, January of 1945. <laughs> Gillespie he he records a song called Bebop and this is the for like the formal coining of the name the song doesn't really do all that well but the name stuck and then all of these these camps that develop there's the the traditionalists who are like more swing oriented and they want to play swing and then there's the modernists and they have a name for the traditionalists that I really like they're a bunch they're a bunch of moldy figs like if you don't like Bebop if you don't like the way jazz is going you don't like the modernists you're a moldy fig, man. You don't understand. And that's what I think about all the people who don't laugh at my jokes. That's what I'm going to start calling audience members. You just got a room full of moldy figs in here, man. And, just and a bunch of moldy it. figs. And then watch everybody, once you start calling people moldy figs, stop talking to you forever. Because nobody knows what or the fuck Or nobody that knows means. what the fuck I'm talking about. And I'm like, exactly. You don't know. You're just a bunch of moldy figs in here attracting all these fruit flies. Stinking up my home, making me feel like I'm doing something wrong. Just a moldy fig, man. Just a moldy fig, a fig that's that's had mold on it. Fig you know what I mean, that wasn't eaten. I don't know. A decomposing fig. You suck. In February of 1945 to May of 1945, Gillespie and Parker they're recording together and they start to form their own band. And during this time, he also meets his next wife. Parker does this. Chan Richardson. And he starts courting her with like milkshakes, movie, and jazz cigarettes, right? He, like there's this one story about him on her birthday. He like gives her like a whole blunt to smoke all by herself. And then he like takes her out to the park and like right lights a road flare as her special birthday surprise for her. And it's like they've been staying out all night. Just a crazy, crazy it shit. It was a it was a different time when you can invest when you could when you could when light you, a road flare in a public you know park mean? and not be arrested. That's a, it was a different time, dog. You know what I mean? When you could just light road flares and and I'm pretty sure Chan Chan Parker is uh She's, I think she, she's white, right? Yeah, she's mixed. I'm pretty she's sure she's mixed. I think she's her mixed. dad was Jewish and her mom was something else. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure though. It just mentioned okay. that her dad was Jewish. It is a lot. It's a lot in this time to kind of be rolling around. With. She's very light, so that's what you got to do. You got to get white yeah, women man. if you want. You got to light a road flare. You got to ru- light them road flare. You got to get, get their attention, light. man. Light that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Think outside the box. All right. You guys, you guys are all coming with the same stuff. You got the, you're doing the same thing. You want to get women? You got to really gotta, think outside yep, the box. That's right. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna show up with a road flare. What's it for? She asks. That's that's for us. That's for us. That's for that's, us. We'll that's, find out. That's for later. We'll find out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then that's when she runs outside of your car because you're a fucking sociopath <laughs> a fucking psycho. and you have a fucking and road, road flare, and you thought that it was gonna get you somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> And then from July to August of 1945, or he kind of breaks it off with Chan. Chan's been cheating on him, and he finds out from this girl, Doris Sidner, who's going to become like his, his, his next wife. I don't know. 
So then July to 1945, he's like forming his own band. He's playing on Swing Street. And to, and everything's going all right until late November of 1945. There's a police sting on Swing Street, and they shut down all the major clubs because they've become just hubs of prostitution and drugs and all this shit. So they crack down on Swing Street real quick. And Parker, well, maybe, he skips town. He goes to wait, Toronto. Wherever the art is, that's where, that's the, where the drugs, drugs are, are, man. That's, Come on, that's just how it goes. Why do you think so many people want to be artists? They just want to justify their addictions, man. That's all we're trying to do. That's all. Look, that's all I'm trying to do. What am I addicted to? Those gummies. Those trolley gummies. (laughs) I'm just addicted to to them. Trolley gummies, man. That's all I'm gonna do. Comedy talk. I'm Charlie Money. You know what I mean? There you go. I don't even like you guys. I don't like being funny. (laughs) I don't like any of this. I just need the gummies from the gas station. He gets (laughs) back. So he's chilling out in Toronto for a little bit. He thinks that they're going to take his cabaret card, which allows him to play in New York City. They don't get it. He gets back, and he starts recording as a leader. And he records with Miles Davis on trumpet and Giepsy on piano, and they release a few albums. And then in December of 1945, this is kind of the next phase in his life because this is when him and Gillespie, they decide that they're going to try to take Bebop to the West Coast and see how it does. You know what I mean? I'm, you know what I mean? That's that's what the, when you when you, you get big in New York, you gotta you gotta take that biggie method. You know what I mean? You gotta, I'm going. I'm going back to Cali. Cali. You gotta go back you know on I mean? the road, man. You, you gotta, gotta go get, back on the road so everybody can miss you and tell you how good you are once you yeah, get back. You gotta go to L.A. You gotta get. You gotta be seen in Los Angeles. It's so like the Hajj, man. It's like the holy pilgrimage that every entertainer must go, to, go to L.A. at least once, or forever remain doomed to obscurity and being and, the top dog in your own shitty local scene. And for most of you, it will not work out. It will I'm not. Tell you, it's not work not, out. It's not. It's, there's no. It's not a. It's L.A. is a cesspool. Every <laughs> successful entertainer is standing on the corpses of a hundred thousand other people who did not make it. You need to know yeah. this before you move. Yeah. You well, need to just, know this. It's a place of insincerity, but at the same time, it's a city I love. You know what I mean? That's right. You gotta. You gotta. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of good shit, but a lot of bad. A lot of bad. bad. Got to take the good with the the bad, man. (laughs) And on the the next episode of Hard Front History, we'll uh, we'll see we'll see you know what what happens to our man Charlie. We'll see how it plays out. Dead bird on the street that I ate, Parker. Is is Bebop gonna take off on the West Coast? Is it? What's gonna happen, Charlie? Is Charlie gonna conquer his demons? Is he gonna find love again? Is heroin gonna take over? On the West Coast, just in a stunnier place. We'll find out, though. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Well, uh, let's uh, hit me. Let's do the, the social media. I got uh, Hard Fried History on Instagram, oh. HFH Podcast on Twitter, just Hard Fried History on Facebook. I am uh, Ratch Daddy Price for some reason. And I that- don't know. I don't even understand well, that. That's weird to me. That's, I'm the ratchet man. I'm. It's I'm very strange. I'm ratchet. Like, and you keep going with it, and I don't understand it. Did I'm gonna change it. it. I'm gonna change it soon. Yeah, but you, you know, have it, I so. gotta. You have it. And you keep <laughs> you getting on I'm this thing and embarrassing us. All right. <laughs> um, and one, Joshua would be stoked. We're done with your shit. We're done no, man. with your gut. I gotta. Boy. I gotta. The, I, one thing I did that's different for this episode is if you have Spotify, because I don't have iTunes, I don't fuck with iTunes. If you're listening on Spotify, I made a public playlist that kind of follows Parker music along the progression. 
It's like roughly in the order that he recorded it. And I've got a description. If you just type in Charlie Parker progression, you'll see in parentheses, hard fried history, you'll see our logo. But if you want to listen to that playlist, it's available on Spotify. If you want to, if you want to further educate yourself, right? Get a little taste. That's dope. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think in the next episode we'll kind of dive more into Charlie Parker's like musical style and all that type of stuff. Okay. Um, but uh, guys, uh, oh, I'm like, oh yeah, my social media is Joshua D. Stokes, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Joshua Stokes on Facebook. Just hit me up, man. I'm very accessible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, some would say too too accessible. Too approachable. Too friendly. Too approachable. Too friendly. I don't think anyone. That's what my girlfriend would say. She said, too friendly. Just too friendly. (laughs) Alright, guys. But that's been an episode of Heart Rate 3, Part 1 on Charlie Parker. Uh, Guys, come back for Part 2. Alright. See you next time.